0: Aloha. I'm Marsha Joyner, and this is Cannabis Chronicles, a 10,000-year article. And for those of you that have been with us for the last couple of years, you know that there comes a time when we need to talk about a, yes, cannabis, but we also need to take a look at some other parts of our history. We know that right now we are dealing with dear old Uncle Sam and how crazy it is with cannabis. But there's more to Uncle Sam and the craziness. And so I have a friend that all of you know. Theo Alexander has been with us since the very beginning of this series. Theo not only has his own business with cannabis, and he services veterans and helps them through so many things with cannabis. However, I asked Theo to be with us today because Theo is a descendant of the people who went through the horrors of the Tulsa Tulsa race riots, the massacre of what was the Black Wall Street. So Theo, thank you so much for coming back. Thank you for for giving us a firsthand account. You know that because most of what we read is written by the conqueror, the people that actually created the riot, that we don't get a sense of what the riot was like, the massacre was like, except from people who, well, you're, you're as close to firsthand as yes. we can get, but your ancestors, your family went through this. Yes. Now, just to give you a background, this was 1921. 1921, May 30th. And Tulsa, at that time, was that Greenwood? Is yeah, that it was what it the Greenwood was? District. Good. Greenwood. Yeah. It yeah. was unbelievably successful. Yeah. It was a black neighborhood with doctors and lawyers and dentists banks, and pharmacists and banks and schools, hospitals, hospitals, libraries, all of these were black owned. Yeah. Gorgeous place. Beautiful. The, and that's why it was called Wall Street, Black yes, Wall Street. And
1: also Little Africa.
0: Little uh, Africa. Uh,
1: that was another nickname that was attributed, yeah. attributed to uh, Black Wall Street.
0: So so tell us about the success of of this area. Black Wall Street um, was
1: centered in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in the districts of uh, the streets Greenwood, Archer, and Pine, with the streets are, you know cordoned off the, the section of Black Wall Street. Uh, in the heyday, um, late 1800s up to 1900s, Oklahoma was started to welcome settlers uh, who were free black slaves uh, to open territory. This is prior to it being called Oklahoma and so as a, a state. Um, it was a place where it was a place of refuge for a lot of people escaping the South and the tragic slavery situations that was going on with, along with the Jim Crow. And so they settled in Oklahoma, in Oklahoma, and they established Tulsa there, and Tulsa developed into what they call a black Mecca, uh, prior to any other state having any kind of considerable black wealth being shown um, as success, even during those times of oppression and slavery and, and things like that, and also coming out of World War One. Um, a lot of people from the war effort uh, brought their families there to settle. And the fortunate thing was uh, Oklahoma had a large oil reserve, Tulsa, which has one of the best ports, one of the most successful ports. This is what contributed to the wealth of Tulsa, which was black owned. And it was considered the, the wealthiest place on the planet at that point in time in 1921 um, with the oil reserves and also with the success of the bankers. And, success of, um, of doctors and lawyers, many who, who contributed to first-time inventions or first-time surgeries, things like that. Um, so we were very fortunate to have Oklahoma, or prior to Oklahoma's territory, um, to have that land um, below the Mason-Dixon line even, settled by successful blacks. And we were doing our thing
0: back then. And yeah. so your family was in this area, in that Yes.
1: In that city. Yes. Or town. Well,
0: it was part of the city, but it was a district. Is that correct?
1: Yes. It was. It was. It was part of Tulsa, north side of Tulsa. Mm -hmm. Um, If you look at the city grid of most states um, in the United States, only two, um, only two cities that are settled by blacks are set on the north side of town. North side is usually contributed to uh, Caucasian uh, wealth and things like that. So Memphis, Tennessee, and Tulsa, Oklahoma, was the only two cities that were set up in the north, which was the affluent section. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, my family came up from northern Texas in the early 1800s. We settled in around the Bristow and Langston area. And at the age of five, my parents moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is early 70s. And so we settled there and, and we were, um, I wasn't aware of the Tulsa uh, massacre until the age of 13. Um, a lot of times it's, swept under the rug, like you said, the powers that be to tell the story, the mm-hmm. newspaper owners and things like that, the broadcast stations. Um, in that era in the United States, across the United States, there were similar events happening. I know you talked about the Elaine massacre recently. Yes. Uh, you had Rosewood in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a series of events happening in the early 1900s into the mid-1900s. And I would dare say that we still suffer from some of those things and some of those policies today, even as we see innocent black death. Being taken by a law enforcement officer, no regard for, yeah. for black life.
0: So, how did this massacre begin?
1: Um, the story goes: there was a gentleman by the name of Dick Rowland, which is an entrepreneur in the area. Um, because it was segregated um, at that point in time, you could only use certain bathrooms. At the top of the tower, where the incident occurred, um, there was a restroom that was for colored. So you had to take the elevator. With an operator up to that floor, the restroom was on to be able to do that. So, Dick Rowland, which is one of the young men who entered the elevator cart, and back then they had elevator operators, as I oh, wow. said. I, uh, remember I believe that. the lady's yeah. name was Sarah Page, a uh, young white girl. And well, I, it, it's told that when Dick got onto the elevator, he missed his step because it was often practiced to intimidate or oppress or you right. know, cause injury to blacks at any cost. And so, it was said that the elevator operator stopped the floor. Prior to it leveling off, when Dick Rowland walked onto the floor, he stumbled into her. And she let out a scream. Uh-huh. And at that point in time, if um, that occurred, and you were a black man there was something dealing with a white person, you had some detriment
0: oh, yes. coming
1: your way, um, even your family. Yes. And So when that incident occurred, um, both of them exited the elevator, Dick went one way, she went the other way. And soon to come, a lynch mob formed to come apprehend him for assault or rape, that's what they were saying, of a young white girl you know, at that point in time. And it just transfer- transferred you know, from a lynch mob to uh, anger um, as far as the, uh, it seemed like the whole county of Tulsa convened on Black Wall Street at that point in time with local law enforcement in collusion with, um, of course. To, you know, to courting off the street after the lynch mob had formed. And it was a series of incidents that happened um, black wealth was not to be taken for granted at that point in time. We knew the time that people were living in. And so we wanted to protect our wealth. And at that point in time in the United States, it was not illegal. Um, you know, you didn't get any kind of repercussion for killing blacks at that no. point in time. No, you average still of, don't. Yes, it was an average of two blacks that were lynched a week, you know, even by a newspaper and postcard depiction. You know, that's how we know some of the things that were happening at that point in time. But... So, the people in Tulsa were not going to stand for that. So, we had a lot of World War I veterans. There were a lot of entrepreneurs, the the, the, uh, pillars of the community, the the pastors of the church, things like that. And there was an armed um, guard that stood guard at the courthouse or the jailhouse where Dick Rowland was being held. It was common practice for a lynch mob to come right to the steps of the judicial system or the courthouse, and the law enforcement would turn the person over Mm -hmm. for them to be lynched in the public. So um, a series of lynchings had gone on prior to that week, and Tulsa was not going to stand for it. And so there was shot fired. We don't know who fired the shot. There's many different stories said, but white lynch mob, black mob protecting the life of Dick Rowland, and things transferred, you know, transpired after that. It was very drastic.
0: So how long did it take? How long did all of this last?
1: It lasts. I think a series of four or five days total. Um, the first day being the most devastating because people were seeing the planning that went out. The National Guard was called in, martial law was called, and the World War I veterans, you know, there were white Klansmen that were in the area with, were very, very jealous, I guess you could say. They despised the wealth of Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma, when some of them were still living you know, on dirt mattresses, you know, mm-hmm. what do you call the hillbillies? And so at that point in time, you know, the Klan was very strong. The Klan was reinvigorated as a union group because there was a lot of out of work white right. male, um, World War I veterans. And so when they did collaborate, um, they deputized those type of people. And they already had their guns from World War I because it was all common practice to bring guns with you, no one took them back government didn't want them so you would to take them which enabled them to you know create a very devastating situation you know by having machine guns some of them are all pilots they have their crop dusters they drop napalm and fire well not napalm but other means of high flammable, flammable uh, fluids on some of the structures so they, over bombed. There. They, they bombed like Wall Street this is why you see the destruction that was so vast so yes, they, they bombed it. But prior to bombing it, they went in and looted the wealth. You know, a lot of these people were jewelers. They were bankers. They were
0: not impoverished people. And so they took that. You know. Oh, boy. It's, it's kind of... Yes, yeah. it's heart-wrenching, but It, it is. It is. And it
1: was happening across the nation.
0: It is. My mother was... At Fisk University, yeah. and she says there was a lynching every weekend. Yes. This is in Nashville, and she said there was a lynching every weekend just outside of town. Yes, and the mob would come, the local folks would come, and they would take souvenirs from yes the lynch person, they their yes. ears or whatever. Yes, and that
1: was that was what took place, the savagery that took place, because also with the Native Americans. You know, in the Indian Wars, they do the same They buy scalping and things like that. So taking souvenirs was something they intended to do. Um, And then the tragedy, even, is that when they were lynching, they would bring their children there to to watch. And some of the postcards depicts the people smiling and having fun as someone was being roasted over a fire while being lynched at the same time. So we had a very, very savage history in our nation. But this is 1921, less than 100 years ago. We're coming up on the centennial of that event and Tulsa's planning past that event, Black Wall Street never regained its wealth. Um, At this point in time, we're still investigating exactly how many people were murdered. And even upon the the murder of so many, um, even when people went back to reclaim their, their owned land and to borrow money to rebuild, there was ordinances and legislation put into place where insurance was not made available. To any of the people who came back to reclaim their own property, or to reclaim the property because of the massacre, um, because of the, the looting, because it was being burned down.
0: So, you, so in in effect, that was exactly what they intended to do—to just wipe it out.
1: Yes, and I, you know.
0: And so this kid was an excuse.
1: He was definitely an excuse. They used him as a scapegoat. And did they kill him? No, he was apprehended, and he was also released. Roland, I, do, I do believe he's still, uh, if he's not still alive, I'm not sure. Oh, but, of course. That was um, a long yes, time ago. Yes, but yeah. it, it was said that him and Sarah Page were actually a couple. She had just filed for divorce um, in the state she was coming from. And when she moved to Tulsa, she gained a job, and she started dating, and she was dating a, she didn't really understand that how strict it was. Sure she did. Well. <laughs> She never pressed charges on Dick. They tried to get her to press charges. She never pressed charges. But the mob ensued anyhow, using it as an excuse. Of course. Yes. But they actually have children together. Okay. They, they settled in another part of Oklahoma and actually had children. And I guess they lived their life. But um, that's an unknown story. I can't really verify that. But people in Oklahoma, we understand that.
0: You understand that. The
1: tragedy was caused because of that.
0: We We have to take a break. When we come back. I want to know more about the story. Okay, we'll be back in one minute. Hi, guys. I'm your host, Lillian Kumick from Lillian's Vegan World. I'm, I come to you live every second Friday from 3 p.m., and this is the show where I talk about the plant-based lifestyle and veganism. So we go through recipes, some upcoming events, uh, information about health, regarding your health, and uh, just some ideas on how you can have a better lifestyle, eat healthier, and have fun at the same time. So do join me, I look forward to seeing you, and uh, aloha. (laughs) (laughs) Aloha, I'm your host, Sharon Thomas Yarbrough of Sister Power here at Think Tech of IE. And Sister Power is all about motivating, empowering, educating, and inspiring all people. And we have various subjects here. Sister Power is here at ThinkTech every other Thursday at 4 p.m. Again, my name is Sharon Thomas Yarbrough, host of Sister Power. We look forward to seeing you. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me at sistersandpowerandkawaii at gmail.com. Look forward to chatting with you soon. Aloha. Aloha. I'm Marcia and we're back. This is Cannabis Chronicles. And if you joined us late, it doesn't look like Cannabis Chronicles, but we have taken this opportunity to talk about a part of our history that is not known. And with the occupant and the White House, it scares me to death that we may be headed back to this very thing, this time in history. So I asked Theo to join us. Now, those of you that have watched Cannabis Chronicles, you know he's brilliant when it comes to cannabis. In, however, he is also from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and his parents went through this horrors, and and then grandparents went through the horrors of the Tulsa, or what we're calling what they called. The Wall Street, Black Wall Street yes. massacre. So I asked uh, Theo to talk about it because this is something we we don't talk about. We don't talk about where we were yes. what the last time we went right. through this. And at that time we had a very racist president also. Yes. Okay. So you were telling us about Tulsa, about yes. this Greenville which was Greenwood, Greenwood Greenwood, yes, which was the Black Wall Street, yes, and all of its wonders, yes and then we had the massacre,
1: yes, and as I say, you know, Tulsa is unique because it was the biggest massacre on American soil up until the Oklahoma City bombing, which is also you know mm-hmm. Rapture Street from Tulsa, yeah. so we have two major incidents in the two major cities in Oklahoma that depict you know the views on some. Some of the government, well, I would say anti-government views, um, because the people in back Wall Street were taxpayers. You know, we were lending to this white sharecroppers, even at that point in time. They were coming to get farming equipment um, and other things that they needed to survive, uh, you know, on their farm properties and their homesteads. And unfortunately, you know, the same resentment for Black life is alive and well. It is. On a lighter note, um, we had a lot of great things to come out of Tulsa. A lot of people are familiar with Charlie Wilson and the Gap Band. Right. People don't know that GAP is an acronym. It stands for Greenwood, Archer, and Pine. Oh. Yes. And so this is why, you know, a lot of things, you know, the diaspora that came out of Oklahoma and moved west and moved north and moved east, Black Wall Street. If you can imagine if Atlanta experienced a massacre in the scale of Tulsa right now, you would imagine that how many people would, you know, it would be a mass exodus to many different places in the United States.
0: Well, tell me, how many people do you know? How many people lost their lives? We know they lost their fortunes, but how many yes. lost their lives? You know?
1: Yes, um, well, I don't, no one knows exactly. This is something that the uh, Tulsa Race Riot Commission right now is investigating. Um, they want to resume the bodies of some of the locations that were discovered here recently. It was always considered to be mass graves, but the city would never entertain the idea of going in and doing an investigation to find out the facts. So at this point, the estimates were slightly above 300, but we know there was way more.
0: Oh, yeah, of course. Way more. So what is the commission now?
1: So the commission convened. Um,
0: What's the name of the commission?
1: Um, this is the, uh, the Tulsa Race Riot Massacre Centennial Commission. Uh-huh. We're coming up on 2021. This yeah. happened in 1921, so the 100-year mm-hmm. centennial is coming up. And so they're planning a lot of things. Greenwood District uh, is still alive and well. Um, it's been sectioned and parted off. Uh, some of it still remains in the hands of black ownership, very, slight, very small percentage of that. Um, but in the grave sites, the commission was put together because they went to the Oklahoma Supreme Court to argue for um, explanation, because the story was kept from me, you know, and other many others, out of the history of Oklahoma and history of the world, um, for many many years. As I said, I was 13 years old when I first found out about it. A lot of people won't talk about it today. So what they did was in the early 80s, they went and started. They formed a commission of successful black entrepreneurs and legislators and, and may you know mayors and. They put together the commission to start ask and demand even compensation and also explanation for what happened then and why is it not taught in history in schools. So one thing that the commission did was they installed through the Department of Education in Tulsa in Oklahoma in general, a curriculum. Um, two types of curriculum was one a one-day curriculum, and then another one was a five-day curriculum. The one-day curriculum is for people who just need to be acclimated about the history, kind of a nutshell approach. Um, uh, what happened, and it's taught from grade, uh, third grade up until um, your junior year in, um, as, a, as Oklahoma history course in college. So it covers a broad, broad scale of the age groups that need to know and understand. Um, you can see that curriculum or a lot of other things that depict the history of Black Wall Street and Tulsa, Oklahoma at Tulsa2021.org. Um, um, it's a very great site. Um, there are a few videos, and also some of the things that you should know about Black Wall Street and what we're doing today to commemorate. commemorate yeah. The,
0: yeah. Now repeat that, that. again. The name of the website. Uh,
1: yes. Website. The, the website. What the commission is called? The Tulsa Race Massacre Centennial Commission. And you can find that website at www. Tulsa. 2021org
0: so can anybody uh, take the curriculum? Can anybody? I mean, you don't have to be in a class, and Tulsa can outside people.
1: Yes, the curriculum is there to teach the history of those Tulsa race riots. Um, teaching the history often helps you to understand where you need to go in the future. Yes, of course. Um, if we don't know our history, we're doomed to repeat it. To and we repeat are, it, so. we're
0: headed down that road as we speak.
1: Oh, boy. Yeah. And like I said, I don't think things have changed too much from these days of taking, you know, of, of the massacre. You know, like I said, Rosewood, we had right. Elaine massacre. There were so many things happening between that time period. But if you look today, if you look at the list, the ongoing list of innocent black life that is taken in the public with video, and nothing, right. nothing has happened. Nothing. These people go to a grand jury and are acquitted almost 100% of the time. Yes. And it's, it's, it's very,
0: it's the same it's the same and that that man in the white house caters to them that is who he's talking to
1: yes you know and
0: and that's why i wanted you to do this so that young people especially those that know you know get a sense of where we've been yes yeah. so that you know you can't just say oh well you know we we really need to take a look at all of i'm just sorry that we can't do all of it but we need to we need to open the door you need to have people tune into the curriculum yes we need there's so many videos online yes several if you just google on
1: youtube or just go to youtube and put in tulsa race ride or tulsa uh, lynching 1921 or tulsa massacre 1921 black wall street Plethora of, of videos and information depicting the rich history, oral and both written, of blacks in the United States. We didn't come over here in slavery. People don't understand that there were natives or indigenous cultures, just like the Aborigines. Right. Um, there were indigenous cultures there in Oklahoma that resided before they listed that as a, a native territory and pushed all the other tribes to Oklahoma. Um, we were there, you know. No matter what they called us, what we called ourselves was successful, God-fearing. And it's unfortunate that we don't see that today. Hardly anyone is taught that, you know, they're taught slavery helped to build America, but they don't teach you that the people who were enslaved were engineers, architects, medics. I mean, these people were not ignorant of society or civilization, and this is why they were enslaved to build this great nation. And as we come upon 2020, and there's many legislators arguing for a reparation.
0: Well, um, you, I don't know how you, um, and I'm not gonna pretend that I do yes. know how you would do reparations fairly. However, what I think yeah. could happen, yeah. and that would be free schools, absolutely. Definitely, definitely. Because that's paying it forward.
1: Yeah. Yes, that's and one if, of the things that-,
0: that, that would. Pay it forward, that uh, because you need an education, and especially yes. now where jobs that we think of today will disappear. Right. So you need to be educated right.
1: for tomorrow. Yes, and I, and I would say that that education should be directed towards skill learning, skills, um, yes. trade skills, because because
0: those are the jobs that are going to yes. show up. All yes. of this new. Uh, Artificial intelligence, right? We need know, we need to we, enter we need into the innovative and
1: the creativity. You know, yes. and the movement that's happening right now with technology and things. And I think that we have a, a surplus of young people and, and people who are professional at this point that are leading that fight and leading that you know that, the, the entrance into that world, including the world of hemp, of course. Yes, of know. course. We <laughs> yes. haven't talked about cannabis, but I would now, say you know you know.
0: And the hemp industry opens up a plethora of opportunities. Yes when we started the show a couple of years ago yes. they said there were fifty thousand products <laughs> made of hemp. Who yes. knows what they are now, how exactly. many
1: exactly, exactly. And so I mean, along with teaching trade skills and teaching, you know, um, the regular curriculum, having free tuition would be definitely a plus if we look at the uh, the rate of debt. Oh my gosh. That yes. young people I'm still paying my student loan. So <laughs> I mean the rate of debt um, that we incur just getting an education to go to a job that doesn't exist doesn't sometimes. doesn't exist, yes. And so trade skills are something, you know, growing up, people would tell you, you know, as a derogatory means, you can only be good with your hands. You'll right. never be a lawyer, a doctor, policeman. Those days have passed, but what do we need to survive? We need those skills. We do. You know, You so, do.
0: Well, yes. we have been, this has been a real pleasure to spend the yes. time with you. And, of course, you will come back and talk. We'll talk course, more about, about yes. CAMO as we progress.
1: Yes, yes.
0: So thank you for this. And I think our audience, I want to thank you all. And again, do you have the email at the webpage for this?
1: Um, the webpage, the easiest way to get in contact with, with this. Um, or just find information commission. to further your knowledge is to contact them at www.tulsatulsa.org. 2021.org. Again, that's www.tulsa2021.org.
0: Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, and we'll see you next time.
1: Aloha. Aloha.
0: Aloha.